Well, hello, it's Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. I recorded a podcast yesterday. Was it yesterday? (laughs) And I actually wrote an outline of what I was going to talk about beforehand, and I got, sometimes when I get rolling, uh, get a little sidetracked, because there's so many... So many different moving parts when trying to process the state of this country in the current time. There's so many like rolling themes going on all at once, and then there's the little spikes and incidents that happen that kind of like, whoa, wait, we need to delve into that a little more. Thankfully, there are a lot of journalists and such that are, you know, publishing full-on books. I'm still in the process of reading uh, Very Stable Genius by Phil Rucker and Carol the owning, I might be mispronouncing that last name, but um, a lot of it's not so much uh, like new that's in that book, but it's like condensing everything that was slowly coming out each day over months and years of time, the Trump presidency, kind of condensing it all into one book makes it all the more alarming and scary and kind of you know, shocking. Um, the bar has been lowered so low now that, you know, what is the standard to be president now? Donald Trump is currently the president of the United States of America. There is no standard right now. There, there is no expectations. There, there is no ethical, moral, um, integrity required of of the president really in the currently now we we could hopefully and ideally this fall kind of revert back to that where we have certain expectations and and standards and sort of um, goals that we envision for the people that are going to lead us um, because right now we just we just don't have that. Donald Trump is just not that person. And again, he's the key thing to remember about him too, and him being currently the president of the United States of America in the year 2020, uh, is that he is not the cause of so many, he's not the pure and only cause of so much dysfunction in this country. He's really a symptom of it. Uh, this country was going a certain direction for many years. Uh, the two-party system became more abused. You know, one of those organizations was able to take advantage of people because of their loyalty to that organization and was able to pass legislation and create gerrymandered districts and such to minimize the will of the people and to minimize government being representative of the people and instead to have a government that is representative of a very narrow definition of what the republic is. So, two main parties are the Democrats and Republicans. The Republicans, you know, the republic. So it's the sort of, the the whole, you know. It, it's preserving the republic. It's kind of the, at least the, the sort of professed 
goal of the Republican Party, preserving the Republic, maintaining the Republican power and influence of the Republic. Which sounds noble until you realize that their definition of the Republic is a very specific type of thing. The Republic is really, um, you know, the estates and the way of life of the affluent class. That is the Republic. It's not so much, you know, America's principles and, you know, our institutions and the people of this country, the working class especially. It's not so much that that the Republican Party defines as the Republic. The Republican Party defines the Republic as the wealthy's estates and their way of life. That is what is of paramount importance that it be preserved, uh, no matter what. So in other words, if, if we need to cut programs that help feed people, if we need to um, minimize funding to the United States Postal Service, even though it may affect people getting their medication on time and may affect ballots, that's acceptable as long as the, the money saved will be given directly to the affluent class because they are the republic. They are what matters. You know? And so that is the republicans' objective, you know, is to everything they do is focused entirely on that affluent class, the people that are given massive amounts of money, in some cases hundreds of thousands if not millions, directly so that those politicians vote on those affluent people's interests. Uh, and again, that, that's generally referred to as a bribe when you receive money in order to vote a certain way. You know, hey, if you do this for me, I'll give you money. It's a bribe. But you know, in the United States of America, we call it lobbying. But there's not really any difference. <clears throat> but when you're kind of trying to process the stream of stuff, sometimes things just get kind of missed. But every once in a while, there's like these little spikes that happen in information that's kind of like, whoa, is that what does it? You know, it's already been a couple weeks now since Mary Trump published her book. That's the niece of Donald Trump, uh, with too much and never enough. Um, you know, how many people actually read the book that need to read the book? Not enough. But there, when that came out, there's part of me that was like, okay, that might do it. But there's been so many of those. There's been so many of those incidents. It's like, okay, this is the one. This is the one that's like going to start getting people to break off the Trump shit show. You know, there, there's going to be something. This is the thing that's going to make some of the MAGA folks have some pause for at least a little bit and to start pondering the choice that they made. Because there has to be some of that. There, there's got to be. There, there can't just be tens of millions of people just fully, absolute, you know, unwithered in any way, enthusiastic support of Trump. There, there has to be some self-doubt in there somewhere that's kind of like knowing what they're doing is the wrong choice, but just kind of hoping it works out anyway. Um, 
because It's just this, an ocean of evidence against Trump and really nothing to defend it. You know, everything he does is just for his own personal interests. Uh, not releasing information and fighting to have information released. He's doing that because the information that's going to be released is damning to him, you know. But one of the big ones that came out recently was uh, Steve Bannon senior Trump advisor for several months and he was kind of the face of the administration for a while there. Po had the post it was indicted and arrested and then posted a five million dollar bond, bail bond. Uh, so it was so it was out free but can't leave the country. But uh, him and some other kind of associates these kind of grifters that Trump seems to have really invited into government. These sort of the most uh, cruel and corrupt swamp monsters our government has ever seen. Um, they took advantage of people's uh, sort of uh, passion towards this wall idea that Trump had. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, well, there's, there's a lot of racism in this country. It, it's uh, It's been an issue in our country since the very beginning. And uh, although we've come a long way, uh, it is still, it still permeates our society. Um, negative, racist views of groups of people simply because of their country of origin, uh, where their ancestors are from, and what the, their skin color is. Uh, and those negative views became so strong under Trump and he was such a champion of those kind of views that there actually became this real big strong push to have a several thousand mile wall built using taxpayer dollars in the middle of the desert uh, because there was you know many people in this country that were very scared of Latinos brown-skinned people uh, speaking Spanish, um, you know, immigrating to America, uh, you, you know, um, what, what their fears are specifically based on, it, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of propaganda and stuff, it's a lot of manipulating and, or, or it, contorting information to fit a particular narrative. Um, do, do those Latino immigrants commit crimes at the same rate as white people? No, but that becomes irrelevant when they're trying to, you know, convey this racist message. Um, you know, Trump ran on a campaign of building the wall. There, there was these large groups of people who were racist. Now that they'll they'll say they're not because they're smart enough to know that being racist is wrong. But they have racist views. They'll say they're not racist, then they'll say, I'm not racist, but, you know, and then they'll say the racist thing. Um, you know, Stephen Miller at a Trump campaign telling a big crowd of, you know, 90%, 90, 90, 95% white people, are you tired of losing your job because of an open border? You know, these, it's like the Mexicans are coming here. The Latinos are coming over, and because they're coming here, because we don't have a wall in the middle of the desert, that's why you lost your job. 
It doesn't even make sense. But Trump and his associates noticed that, that there was you know, large numbers of Americans genuinely buying into their bullshit um, that were, you know, going to break open their piggy bank and hand over their hard-earned dollars if they thought that that would help get the wall built. Um, you know, God bless them, you know. It's one of those where the heart wasn't even really in the right place. You know, these are people that were manipulated. They had certain small-minded views of certain groups of people. And because of that, they were able to be taken advantage of. And Steve Bannon was one of those people that took advantage of those kind of low-information voters that were, like, passionately fighting for and giving money to the cause of having a wall built in the middle of the desert uh, that would accomplish nothing and uh, just be a massive drain of money. It, it almost... It almost begs that the people setting up that crowdfundme thing to have money donated to have a wall built it almost begs that it was obviously going to be a con um you know the, the whole building the wall is completely illogical and stupid and doesn't make any sense and i think even the people using that as their campaign pitch you know like the people around trump they know it's bullshit you know but if it's gonna get a bunch of angry white people riled up and voting Republican and supporting Trump, well then why not? And hey, if you can, you know, get a few hundred thousand, maybe a few million out of these folks and just use it for your own personal purpose. I mean, obviously you're not gonna, you know, build a fucking wall. We're not gonna build a wall several thousand miles. Every Even the people, you know, around the Trump, they, they know that. It's a stupid idea. There's a reason there's people strongly against it. Because it's a dumb idea. So what Bannon thought would, the better idea would be let's let's set up a page and see if people donate money to this thing. And then let's just take the money and do whatever we want with it. I mean, don't even worry about building a wall with it. Why would you build a wall anyway? It's a dumb idea. So let's just use the money that these people are donating to this crowdfund me to have a wall built and instead let's buy big expensive yachts with it and uh, you know luxury items and stuff even though Steve Bannon is already extravagantly wealthy um, he was willing to do that because he, he doesn't really seem to have much of a conscience or empathy for the others or anything he's a pretty vindictive fuckhead really um, but that's the kind of people that Trump surrounds himself with so that's what he did uh, he, the, you know, saw all these Trump supporters that were, build the wall, build the wall, you know, just kind of blindly chanting out this nonsense, and it's like, well, hey, there's some suckers right there, let's get some money out of them, they can, I can get a new boat, you know, we can get some nice, fancy luxury items out of these people. I mean, yeah, these people don't have a lot of money, and some of them are going to be scrounging pennies together because they're genuinely in fear. They've, they've been scared into believing that they got to build this wall or else their lives are going to be in danger. There's hordes of 
you know, MI6 and, you know, dangerous Latino gangs that are like flooding across the border and are invading our country. That is the kind of rhetoric Trump was using. And, you know, millions of Americans bought it. They, they actually thought it was real. They had no idea that it's mostly made of bullshit. They had no idea that the Latino immigrant crime rate is actually lower than naturalized citizens that were born in America. It's actually a lower crime rate. Um, lower crime rate doesn't mean zero, of course. So there have been some crimes committed by quote-unquote illegal immigrants. But, you know, that's... Crime does happen sometimes. It's not It's not like those crimes don't happen simply because you have a wall built. You know, I think there's some confusion there. Um, you know, <coughs> denying a certain type of people based on their skin color or what language they speak, that doesn't really reduce crime. It doesn't really make the country safer. It creates hostility and tension. And that tends to lead to more crime, you know. Um, cutting funds to working class people, cutting services and public service, making it easier for the wealthy to gain greater control of the economy. Those kind of things create extra tension and stress and burden and fear. Those kind of things certainly do lead to, lead to an increase in crime and instability within a society. But all those kind of things are the things that the uh, Trump regime has been actively pursuing, you know, blatant corruption in full sight. And the main reason is, well, they're kind of able to get away with it. They still have a base. There's still tens of millions of Americans that are supporting Trump enthusiastically. Full, full bar, 100% behind them. It's kind of scary. You know, what happened to these people? You know, a lot of those people go to church every Sunday. How do they do it? What, I mean, I don't, the mental gymnastics going on there has got to be exhausting, you know. You're going to church every Sunday. You're learning about the teachings of Jesus, forgiveness, empathy. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> and then you're going to support Trump, praise him, give him more power. Eh, uh oh, no, that's... You're doing the wrong thing. And the thing is, you know that. If you're going to church every Sunday and you're actually listening to the teachings that are in, in the book, you know what you're doing by supporting Trump is wrong. You should also know that you have an obligation to speak out and encourage other people to... pull other people back to the light, to righteousness. Obviously, Trump is not a person living his life in the path of Jesus. We all know that, obviously and clearly. Um, if you have to sort of change the subject or talk about very specific, well, no, his view on this one particular thing here is this. That doesn't really matter. That's sort of ignoring the entire history and who he is as a person. Obviously, Donald Trump is not a good person. He's not well. He needs help. That, that's clear and obvious. And it's also obvious that he's been using the presidency to enrich himself and the people around him. 
and they're just kind of rubbing our noses in it. They have, however, whatever the actual number is, because these uh, these polls, the thing about them is some of the sample size on some of these polls that they show on TV might be like 5,000 people. Uh, you can accurately uh, gauge the opinions of the uh, entire population based off a sample size of 5,000. It's already a little confusing to me. But, you know, according to those, Trump's approval rating is still in the, like, you know, low 40s-ish, somewhere around there. Which is, that's, that's alarming. You know, how is Donald Trump's approval rating over single digits? It doesn't really make any sense. Who are these people? Why are they doing this? What happened to them? You know, what what is their life experience that led them to believe that following in a path that Trump has led is going to lead to, you know, gloriousness, righteousness, greatness? How, how did they get there? You know, why did they believe that? Is it really just that because his name is in gold on a big, tall building, they genuinely believe that he's actually a righteous man? He wrote his name on gold in a building. He must be a good person. He must be someone to follow. And some of the people doing that are Christian, even though it specifically says in the Bible not to do that. You know, don't worship false prophets and stuff. Gold worship. You know, he, it's like... He leans into the obvious innate elephant in the room. He is a bad person. He is the antithesis of what the teachings of Jesus were. The complete antithesis. Clearly and obviously so. Clearly and obviously. It, it's not really like we're really going to kind of pretend that he, he's a righteous person. He, he's a savior. No, that's that's not what he is, you know. If, if you want to go in that kind of realm, what I would say is that it's like a test. Who are you really? What are your ethics and morals? And then please explain how those ethics and morals align with Mr. Trump. Okay, so if you say you're... Your core convictions are the teachings of Jesus. You believe in empathy. You believe in the golden rule. You believe, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You believe in that. That is your core belief. You believe in forgiveness. It's a, it's a core belief. Okay, please explain why D Donald Trump doesn't have to ask for forgiveness and doesn't even believe in it. And also why Trump makes fun of people who pray. <coughs> very confusing. And now, you know, the, the latest thing over the last several days has been that Trump is trying to cut, you know, the United States Postal Service funding. Why? Well, because the more people who vote, the less likely it is that he will become president again. He will win a second term. This is a well, it's a classic Republican thing. You need as few a people to vote as possible to increase your odds. The more people who vote, well, then 
the higher the likelihood of the Democratic Party. Democratic Party, at least in theory, is the party of democracy. The, the people. And obviously because of that, because it's the party of the people, it's kind of all over the place with policy, primary goals and stuff. So generally their main primary uh, policy goal is to oppose the Republican Party. Republican Party is the party that the main goal is, to, you know, in their minds, to preserve the Republic. What is the Republic? It's the estates and, and way of life of the, the affluent class. That is their primary objective. So tax cuts for the wealthy, tax cuts for corporations, cutting funding to programs that benefit working class people so that the wealthy can gain greater control of the economy and have more power and control over our society. And that's kind of the goal of the Republican Party. That is what they do in their current form and over the last many, many a year. Um, so it's really this this election coming up is is really a a pretty clear cut choice. You have the choice of you know electing intelligent adults with empathy for others, with true convictions, with experience relevant to the job, and actual goals and policy initiatives to benefit the people. Okay, so. So that's the one choice. Basically a government of the people, by the people, for the people. That's one choice. The other choice is Donald Trump, which is fascism, oppression, cruelty, incompetence, dysfunction, hatred, division. That's the choice. That's the choice in 2020. That is what it is. That is what it is, as Michelle Obama said. The way to be perfectly honest, I haven't even, I've only watched little snippets of the DNC. I think I'll just kind of binge watch it later, just watch all the specific speeches on uh, YouTube later. I mean, I don't really need to watch the Democratic Convention, really, to know that that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm going to vote for this year. That's not really, it's been a while since I actually even really considered a Republican candidate uh, back in 2008. Obama and McCain. Uh, I've known who John McCain was since I was a little kid. I mean, I didn't know him, but I knew of, you know, kind of knew his story and stuff to, because, uh, you know, my parents were stationed at the same Navy base that he was the senior commanding officer of when I was, you know, a little baby. So kind of grew up kind of hearing stories about the man uh, when I was... So because of that, there, there was certainly uh, at least some consideration of, of John McCain back in 2008, but uh, that kind of went out the window once he picked Sarah Palin, and she kind of just, it was almost as if she was saying directly to me on those on those TV screens, those debates, please don't vote for me, you know, you know to me specifically, and people like me, people with, you know, certain views. Uh, her, hers was very divisive. You know, every, everyone that was left of her politically was this sort of this some kind of you know radical, crazy person that shouldn't be a member of our society. And uh, I don't really understand those kind of viewpoints. Um, I don't understand MAGA. I think their views are just kind of out there. I don't get 
how they were so easily led astray into believing that a con man was going to save them. A man who was famous for corrupting people and screwing people over. Not paying people that did work for him. And those people having to sue him in order to get at least some money. You know, I don't... I don't get how it happened to them and why they just insist. You know, it's frustrating, but I don't have any animosity towards them. It's more just kind of confusion and, and pity, if anything. You know, it's not, it's not, I don't, I'm not angry toward them necessarily. I'm just disappointed, you know. It's like, and I, you know, I have uh, friends from college. I have people that I know they are very successful and stuff. And so I think it's just... When you get, life gets busy, you only have so much time to watch news and to stay truly informed on what's going on. So you might just begin little snippets here and there. And then if you, the less time you have, then the more just kind of focused on, well, I like these outlets right here. And I fall in the same trap myself. You know, you start just listening to the choir preaching to you. And, you know may not be getting the full perspective. But it's really, and that's really what it comes down to in this election coming up. You got corruption, blatant corruption kind of in your face. You know, you got a senior Trump official while he was, I think, still in Trump's cabinet, maybe shortly after. Uh, convincing working class people to give him money to build a wall, but that he actually just used for his own personal plaything, buying yachts and whatnot. As always, the Republican Party is primarily concerned with tax cuts for the wealthy. So that's also what you'll get in 2020. You're going to get tax cuts for the wealthy. How does, how does a tax cut for the multimillionaire benefit you, the working class person? It won't. But of course, that's the Republican Party. Donald Trump specifically is just a whole other level of kind of volatility and dysfunction. And, uh, you know, hatred and division. That's really just kind of hard to process. Because there's just so many people still supporting him. But it's really sort of like, you know, hope versus doom. The Democratic Party are at least offering some hope. It's not the... Uh, and again, just some of the people in the news are getting kind of critical of the Democrats and stuff. And, like, you know, it, it's like they want it to be more inspiring or something. It's like... Um, the key thing to remember about the Democratic Party is that it's, it's everybody. It's the organization that attempts, at least makes attempt, I don't know how valiant it is, but they do make an attempt to represent the people of the United States of America. It's the organization, it's the organization that sort of kind of at least attempts to represent the people's interests. What is the interest of the people? The Republican Party is... It, barely even tries to pretend like it's representing the interest of the people. In fact, it goes out of its way to define 
large percentages of the population as this other and this sort of almost non-American group because they are don't believe in the same things. And, and Trump is, is very passionate about that. Sort of alienating huge portions of the population simply because they don't have the same political views. You know, it's, why? Because the Republican Party is the organization that represents their definition of the republic. Preserving the republic. Preserving the estates of the wealthy and the way of life that the wealth, wealthy have become accustomed to. There cannot be any change at all, not one myota, iota of change at all to their lifestyle. The Republican Party just will not stand for it. There's even just the whiff of the, the hint that maybe, possibly down the line, they might, those in the wealthy class, they might have to make some small changes to their lifestyle. It, it's just too much for the Republican Party to stand. They just cannot allow that. Uh, the, those in the wealthy affluent class must be able to maintain their way of life in perpetuity and preferably while working even less than they are now. And that is kind of the goal of that organization. And Donald Trump is you know, a perfect example of that. He's kind of the embodiment of that kind of idea. You know, the person born into affluence who's not very smart, not very accomplished, not very capable, except he's got a lot of money. And there's a lot of things you can do when you have money, even if you didn't really earn it. You're just born with it. You can pay people to do various work for you. And a lot of times what happens is if you have a reputation of as having money, you can also have a reputation of not paying people and there'll still be, because you also have a reputation of having so much money, that new people will be willing to jump on board. So Donald Trump, supposedly, has massive amounts of money. He's worth, he says, a billion. Others are saying it's more like 200 million or something, like even less than what he inherited. But he also has a reputation as for not paying people that do work for him, and those people having to sue him to get their money including his own legal teams sometimes in the past. You know, not paying lawyer fees and stuff. But because the wealth that he's perceived to have and he kind of flaunts is so extravagant, there's always new recruits willing to, you know, jump onto the Trump train and with the hopes of why they believe this, but there's people that are in the Trump administration that believe that working for Trump is going to be some kind of platform to bigger and greater things. Not realizing for many of them it's going to be, you know, the shit stain on their career. You know, they may have had once a promising career. It's kind of out the window once you go on national TV and, you know, regurgitate Donald Trump nonsense. You know, it it makes you look stupid. You're going to have to explain yourself for the rest of your life, really. You willingly and knowingly enabled that guy who clearly had issues. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't well. You know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Sean Spicer, Kelly uh, Kellyanne Conway. 
the various Republican senators who just bent over backwards to defend every random little thing that Trump did and would be unwilling to admonish him in any way. Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. Now, there, some of these people, some of those names, are more than willing to be critical of Trump when they were running against him in the Republican primary. But, but as soon as Trump got that nomination, even though there were strong reservations among the Republican electorates at their convention, Republican establishment went, went with him anyway. It's just a shame because it, it does seem like you know, there's liberal, conservative, there's people that lean left, lean right, and you can kind of tell that there was a lot of people that were in the Trump administration, at least early, that under a normal Republican presidency, like, you know, Ronald Reagan or George H.W., George W., they would have, it would have been no big deal. They just would have been public servants who, who lean right, they tend to vote Republican, but they're loyal to the interests of America. They're just a little bit more conservative, and that's fine whatever you know General Mattis General Kelly um, some of the other senior advisors that were on the staff for, for bits of time you know they actually had a you know a strong pedigree their names Kelly it, it is kind of tarnished now you know whatever they accomplished prior to joining the Trump administration and whatever their best of intentions were in trying to, you know, put guardrails around the Trump so that he doesn't do stupid shit. Whatever their best intentions were, they, their careers are now tarnished by having been associated with him, by not just stopping him outright from doing things, by sort of trying to coddle him. It, it's the biggest elephant in the room. During the 2016 presidency, there was a front runner for president, or for the you know, presidential campaign. There was one of the front runners for president, and one of the leaders throughout the early months of the Republican primary, who was clearly, and obviously, in every sense of the word, not fit to be the president. Um, any of the other Republican candidates would have been better. Obviously, some of them were kind of, you know, less than ideal. Republican primary was pretty weak. It was just kind of a let's play to the base. You know, let, let's rally up those sort of people who talk about abortion, gun rights, how gay marriage should be banned, and transgender bathroom people. Let, let's, let's just focus on those people. Let's not even try to even attempt to win over everyone else. Let's just, you know, and the thing with the presidency is you can kind of do that. You can almost ignore certain states. You can get zero votes in Washington, Oregon, and California and still win the Electoral College, you know, because if, if in those three states the voter turnout increases by 20 million, Oh, in the 2020 election compared to 2016. The increase in the electoral votes for those states is zero. You know, 
So if 20 million more people vote in certain particular states, the increase in those states' you know, voting power or whatever, their actual, their actual vote, is nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. So, Republican Party has been able to take advantage of that. And 2016 was the most extreme example. 2000 was a... Still pretty shitty. Still pretty shady. Because we ended up with eight years of George W. How many, you know... I think George W. had the best of intentions and so on. He seems like a decent human. But uh, I think he was just in little over his head. Trump's a whole different deal. I mean, about half the population, at least, maybe more, knew and was familiar with who Donald Trump was. They understood what he represented. Ironically, for, for many of those people, it's because they maybe went to church when they were younger and they learned, like, the golden rule. They learned that treating others with respect. Maybe they were Boy Scouts when they were younger, you know. And you learn about honor and truth. For me, I was also in a fraternity. I'm a Sigma Nu. It's also known as the Legion of Honor. Our three core principles are love, truth, and honor. So those are kind of important to me. How well you exhibit those particular principles is kind of a key factor in whether I'm going to support you or not. Donald Trump has little empathy or love for others other than himself. He's blatantly dishonest, and he obviously has no no honor to, to speak of. Um, you know, but I was not alone. Uh, most people knew that. What I failed to realize throughout my life is that <clears throat> although it was I thought it was obvious, and I thought the way that the news was being presented about Trump throughout all those decades was that this guy is bad, he's not a good person, but we sort of have to put him on TV because he's wealthy and white, you know, kind of thing. Um, he, he is a joke, you know, he's he's not really a good businessman, but it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing where you sort of per, you sort of play along because... This is what wealthy white people get to do. You know, if they want to be on TV, they get to be on TV. Even if they have nothing to offer, even if they have nothing good to say, even if they have no product that's of quality to sell. If they want to be on TV, they're going to get to be on TV somehow. That's just how it goes. So Trump was this sort of buffoon of a guy for decade after decade. And every once in a while he'd be on the news because he cheated on his wife or was getting divorced again or another one of his companies was going bankrupt or he said some racist, stupid thing in front of a, you know, live mic, willingly and intentionally. And that's what he was. That's what he is. So you can only get so mad at him. He, he, he created this sort of persona decades ago. This sort of villainous, uh, corrupt, greedy, just ruthless profiteer, self-profiteer, not a businessman. That's, that's part of the con, 
is people believing that he's a businessman. No, 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 he's not a businessman. He's a self-profiteer. That, that's much different. He accumulates money for himself and his family. He does not create successful, profitable businesses. In fact, most of the business ventures that he's engaged in have gone bankrupt. By definition, that is an unsuccessful businessman. But, for whatever reason, millions of people just didn't know that, or were unwilling to accept it, or dismissed it entirely as irrelevant, for whatever reason. You know, it, the justifications of why people say they have certain convictions in life, say they believe certain things, and then vote for someone who is obviously and clearly the exact opposite of everything they profess to believe is confusing, disorienting, it's frustrating. Why are people doing this? I understand why Nazis and members of the Aryan Brotherhood and shit like that and KKK, I understand why they support Trump. I, I get that. Donald Trump is a famous racist con man, okay, going back decades. That's kind of what made him famous in the first place. Again, said this many times in previous podcasts, and it's been it's common knowledge among most people. But Trump became famous because him and his father refused to rent minorities, rent to minorities, their condos. They refused to rent to minorities. And those minorities, people, and those Americans sued on behalf of the federal government the Trump organization. Eventually was settled out of court. That's what got Trump in the spotlight. His racism. So he stuck with that throughout his career. Um, racism is not a in vogue type of thing, though. You know, it's frowned upon in this country. There are definitely limits to how well you can be accepted and respected if you are a well-known racist. But he tried, sort of, kind of, to sort of skirt this line of occasionally here and there pretending not to be racist so as to try and increase his fame and power. Because he was kind of, there was kind of a ceiling on his fame because everyone knew, you know, he, he, was, he was racist. So, you, you know, media outlets prop him up too high. Well, then... You're getting a racist, you're giving a racist a sort of soapbox and megaphone to proclaim their racist idiotic ideas. But unfortunately, during the Barack Obama presidency, the United States media did exactly that. You know, they, they gave Donald Trump the megaphone, they just kind of handed it over to him and said, here you go. Go ahead and say whatever you want. Yes, you're a famous, you know, con man, racist, sexist, dumb shit. But we're just going to give you the mic and film you live saying racist things. And then we're going to talk about it in the news. Now, whatever their intentions were, why news medias gave Donald Trump the mic and, and filmed him and, and discussed him his opinions as if they mattered on national news throughout the Barack Obama presidency. What their true intentions were, I, I don't know. 
You know, why? Why did they do this? Why wasn't it allowed to just be handled by TMZ and Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood and all that kind of thing? Why did ABC News and MSNBC and CNN, why did they have to get involved in covering an old racist white man saying racist things? Why is that relevant? Why is it news? Why does he need to get the megaphone? If he wants to spout his views on his own podcast or, you know, talk radio show or if he gets his own network, okay. You know, that's what Breitbart News is. That that other one that, I forget what it's called. It's like this conservative news network or something. I forget, but... And then uh, Infowars and shit like that. You know, I'm all about free speech. I mean, yeah, Alex Smith's a, a stupid motherfucker. He, he's a fucking crazy ass. Just, it, I, I don't, un, but whatever. It's, it, it's a free country. Free speech, man. You know? However, Alex Smith's views should not be covered as news on CNN or something or MSNBC. You know, I don't really care how popular his show is. How many? It's not news. If he wants to spout his opinions, he he has the forum to do that because it's they're they're pretty extreme. They're out there, and I think he has every right to peddle conspiracy and stuff. And so long as he's just doing it on his own thing, who cares? But for whatever reason, and it appears that it was mostly for ratings. You know, news outlets. They got to get, uh, you know, they got to get eyes on their screen. They got to appease the advertisers. Most of the advertisers are big pharmaceutical companies. Fox News, if you watch Fox News, you're going to see a lot of uh, drug ads, ads for drug companies. It's not a coincidence that Fox News' message is what it is. And then you're seeing ads from pharmaceutical companies. Those pharmaceutical companies pay money to Fox News to run those ads. Those pharmaceutical companies also do, indeed, have some say in the content that's on those networks. That's kind of the deal. That's kind of a give-and-take type thing. You know, this company's going to, you know, advertise on your channel... They're going to pay you so that they can advertise on your channel. But they kind of expect something in return, you know. They're going to expect you to have certain views and whatnot. It's not just, uh, they're not just giving you money for nothing just to run the ad. They, you know, they, they want something back as well. Because they want as many people to see the ads as possible. <coughs> so... That's, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know anymore. Like what, I think it's just people are just overwhelmed and scattered. Life in this country is tough. It, it's a grind, you know, and it has been for a while. And it is for a lot of people, but I think a lot of people just don't want to admit it. And a lot of people, they get, you know, they, they you know, find a way to wake you up each morning and type thing and find a way to get to work and just find a way to get through and so because they're doing that they get angry with anyone that's like we need to do better and they'll say things like well, if you don't like it, you can get out 
Yeah, sure. It's just so easy to leave this country. You can just leave whenever you want. Yeah, and go live somewhere else. Anytime. No problem at all. Sure. Yeah. So easy. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, some Republican friends over the years, they would, they would say that on Facebook or something like, if you don't like this country, you can leave. I got, I, I would love to leave. You know, I'd, I'd love to live somewhere else for a while and maybe forever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, you know, if, if Trump is the future of this country, then ugh, that's scary. You know, I, I want to get me and my family out of here. You know, I'm not the type of person that's going to do well under a Trump presidency. I mean, if you're a low information voter, you, you kind of do the same thing every single day. You watch Fox News every single day. You love guns. And you don't really think too deeply about politics and stuff like that. The reality is, even you, that person, that kind of hardcore MAGA fan living in a rural area, even you are, are going to have some, some difficulties under a continuation of the Trump presidency. And you're an enthusiastic supporter of the man. The main reason for this is Trump doesn't give a flying fuck about any of his supporters. Okay, they, they are simply props. He does not view them as real, actual people uh, with real, actual lives and hardships. That you know, He doesn't care or understand that. Um, if, if he did, obviously he would have done things that benefit them. And things that benefit them benefit people on the left, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, universal health care benefits human beings. Yeah. Uh, universal health care allows people to stay healthy. It, it doesn't really matter what your political views are, you know, and not. it's certainly not going to matter when you go get treatment, you know. But, you know, cutting funding to medical services, that doesn't help. Cutting funding to the United States Postal Service, that does not help MAGA folk, <laughs> you know. Trump thinks it does. Well, we're, we're going to get fewer people to vote, you know. We're going to obstruct the vote here. Fewer people vote, you know. That increases the odds that uh, the Democrats win. But at what cost... You know, it, it, I mean, that the Republicans won. The fewer people that vote, the increase the odds of the Republicans winning. But if you restrict the vote too much, there's even going to be Republican voters whose ballots don't go in. Especially if you live in a rural area, there's probably a high likelihood that you do vote by mail. So, yeah, I just, I don't understand why it's just, been, I think it's just, uh, one thing I'm thinking is that maybe that it's like a lot of people that are supporting him and they're kind of like indifferent, either are supporting him or sort of uh, indifferent to the thing. My uh, my stepdad at least would be probably fall into that category, the sort of indifference or the sort of um, condoning in a way or sort of allowing or sort of giving excuses for why Trump is not as bad as he obviously and clearly is. I think that's because they just kind of have their little groove, 
living in a small town, kind of doing the same thing every single day for the last, you know, 30 plus years now, you know, and and that's their life, you know. So things going on in D.C., they just can kind of just put it all, oh, it's just politics, you know, and, and they can just kind of be dismissive of the whole thing and just pretend like it's just normal politics when it's clearly and obviously not, you know. It's a confusing time, but there is there is hope coming up over these next few months. You basically have the uh, the choice between names like Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Oprah, Pharrell Williams, John Legend, Julie Louise Dreyfus, Al Gore, Bernie Sanders, Andrew Yang. Names like that, just to reel off a bunch, or names like Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Kevin McCarthy, Ted Cruz, Devin Nunes, Marco Rubio, Jim Jordan. You know, but those are the kind of, I mean, like for me, like I mentioned before, Sigma Nu, uh, see, we got Al Michaels, Harrison Ford, Pat Riley, Bob Barker, uh, Kurt Menefee, uh, Eli Manning and Archie Manning, um, Bear Bryant, just to name a few. So there's that list of names, or those the Republican list of names: Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Evan McCarthy. You know, which group would I be more excited to be a part of, prouder to be a part of? Well, it's obviously that first group. That first list of names is far just better. It's a better group of people, more inspiring group of people. You know, better thinkers, more worldly, and anyway. Just better in every sense of the word. Uh, the first list of names were all Sigma News, Legion of Honor, Love, Truth, and Honor. And that second list of names Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio, Devin Nunes, those are all Republicans. For me, it just helps to look at who are the people that are in the group? What do they stand for? What are they about? And when you look at the Republican Party, it's you know, it's doom, it's tax cuts for the rich, tax cuts for corporations. It's invest in those who already have the most and not the people of America. It's corruption, fascism, hate, destruction, cruelty, division. And that's what you get with that organization, especially in 2020 with Trump, of all people, on the ticket. A second term, his final term, you know, if, but obviously if he was to win a second term, it probably, probably won't be his last term. Uh, it'll, I mean, we're getting in, we're going to get into some pretty crazy stuff if it actually comes to him actually getting a second term. It, 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 all guardrails are off. Um, it, it's kind of a, we, we start creeping towards some kind of weird nuclear option with this country where, we, by definition, would no longer be a, like a true democracy because the, the only way he gets a second term is by suppressing the vote, by doing stuff like Vladimir Putin does. Vladimir Putin was not elected president. He just hasn't resigned yet or died. That's it. That's why he's still the president. It's not because the people wanted him to continue being president. That is what would happen if Trump was given a second term or just continued to serve. 
It's not because the people would want it. The people want hope. They want to invest in America. They want forgiveness, empathy, warmth, prosperity for all, liberty. And we can make that happen in 2020.